Jesus is on his way somewhere. Meanwhile, there's a lawbreaker in the midst of the Jews. She's a woman with female issues. She is, according to the Mosaic law, she is unclean. She has broken the law. She should be isolated. This is what the Mosaic law demands. She has a flow of blood. She has a female problem. It's been this way for 12 years. This woman comes behind Jesus and she reaches to the hem of his garment. And in that moment, she encounters glory in the form of divine healing. She experiences the glory of God from his side. And Matthew 9.22 starts with some of the most profound theological words I've ever read in the New Testament. It says, but Jesus turned around. He wants to find the woman. Do you know why this woman does not instantly reveal herself? Because she is convinced Jesus will be upset. He'll reject me. He'll take me according to the law. How many Christians today are unwilling to return again, whether it's to church or to God's presence, because they're convinced there'll be judgment, there'll be condemnation, there'll be rejection, when in fact the opposite is true. Because of His grace and your small measure of faith, God is adamant and passionate about revealing His acceptance and approval. How many are ready for revival tonight? Give God a praise. Let's get to our feet and let's praise God tonight. Let's get to our feet and let's praise God tonight. Let's let them hear us at the dollar store tonight. Amen. Touch three people and say, I'm glad you're here. And give the four C's band a big round of applause. They work very hard. Give them a round of applause, guys.
more time. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. I want to see. Amen. Praise God tonight. Amen. You may be seated. God is good. Man, what an amazing night. Already feel the Holy Spirit. Amen. I had to break out my phone and get y'all on video, man. I saw the president. I need one of them selfie sticks. So if anybody wants to contribute to the ministry, you know, we take a selfie stick up here. But God is so good. Amen. You know, I want to tell you a little story I read one time before I open in prayer tonight. Uh, there was a group of salesmen and they were coming back from a big sales conference in Chicago, and they were uh, having to just rush, 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 and, and their plane was about to leave, and they were hurrying through the airport, <coughs> you got something to drink, and they were hurrying through the airport, <coughs> sorry guys, <coughs> there was a group of salesmen they were coming back from a sales conference in Chicago, and they had to hurry up and get through the airport to catch their flight. And as they were hurrying through, one of the salesmen knocked over a little girl's apple stand. She had an apple stand there. Well, none of the others decided to stop and pick it up. So the one guy in the crowd who was a Christian said, well, nobody else is stopping either, so I'm going to go too. So this little girl's apple stand, apples were everywhere. They were knocked. They were rolling all over the place. Well, as they were boarding the plane, the Holy Spirit convicted the Christian. Just like the Holy Spirit convicts you and I. And he says, how are you going to get on this plane and leave that little girl with her apples all over the floor? So he told the guys, he said, listen, guys, y'all go ahead and go. My wife will be waiting for me at the airport to pick me up. He says, would you please tell her I'll catch the next flight? I'll be a little late. They said, are you crazy? Let's go. We've been here all week. He said, I can't leave that little girl and all those apples all over the floor. God told me to go back and help her pick them up. And the one guy said, well, you didn't knock them down. He knocked them down. The guy that knocked them down said, I ain't going back. He said, just tell my wife I'm going to be a little late. He went back and he started helping the little girl pick up the apples. And when he did, he noticed that she was blind. She couldn't see. She couldn't see anything. And he began to gather up all the apples and helped her fix her table. And she was crying. She was disarrayed. She was upset. He said, honey, everything's going to be okay. I got all your apples picked up. And some of them had bruises on them. And some of them had marks on them from being spilled over. But he picked them all up. And he said, let me pay you $40 just in good measure. I'm sorry this happened. And I'm sorry. But God told me to come back and help you. So let me give you this $40. He began to walk away. She said, Mr., Mr., are you Jesus? Are you Jesus? Let me ask you a question. Would anybody mistake you for Jesus? Why do we have a love revival? So we become more like Jesus, who loves everybody. So I'm going to ask you tonight to get this in your mind, heart, body, and soul. Let people mistake you for Jesus. This world needs more of us Christians 
to listen to the Holy Spirit and act like Jesus. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this night. We, as we open up revival, Lord, again, we ask you to hide Brother Doug behind the cross, Lord. We're so thankful that he was here today. And Lord, we're thankful for last night, Lord. All the people that came forward, it was just overwhelming, Lord. All the response on Facebook and social media. But it was nothing like being here and feeling it. It was nothing like being here and having my leaders all around me and have all those kids put their hands in, all those adults put their hands in and get right with Jesus. Lord, I'm thankful for last night, but I'm ready for tonight. Lord, would you join us in this service? We bind up anything that is not of you, any evil spirits, Lord, we bind them up that's not of you. We put them out of this place, Father, where your love would abide right here, where we can become more like you. You see, Lord, we don't need to be like Floyd Mayweather or, or, or J.B. Mooney or, 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 or Emmett Smith or, 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 or Roger Starback. We need you as our role model. We need to be more like you, Jesus. Father, help us tonight to be that your hands and feet while our short time on earth is here. Lord, we love you. We praise you. This revival is all about you. In Jesus' name, amen.
didn't want that to end. Mm. Amen. Well, my first love revival here, I did an old song, and now it's a love revival tradition. And uh, I love this song. I've, I've known it for a long time. You know I like the old ones. But it was always a really fun song to sing for me. I love horns. It's got lots of horns. But, uh, but eight years ago last month, this song took on it. It took on a whole different meaning for me, because that's when I, that's when I got a love for Jesus Christ, and that's when He changed my heart and changed my life. So now, not only do I have fun singing it, now it means something to me, and that makes all the difference. Hit it, fellas. I got a love, love down deep in my heart. I got a love down deep in my heart. I got a peace that passes all understanding. I got a new love that is never ending. This love I've got is so, so true. It's got a hold on me and it won't turn loose. I got a love, love down deep in my heart. I got a love down deep in my heart. I was walking down a lonely road upon my shoulder. Lay a heavy load and like the millions Didn't understand how to save your way to take my hand Then one evening as the sun sank low I heard the story of how he loved me so Now I'm happy cause he came to me and set me apart He put his love down deep in my heart I got a love, love down deep in my heart I got a love down deep in my heart I got a peace that passes all understanding. I got a new love that is never ending. This love I've got is so, so true. It's got a hold on me and it won't turn loose. I got a love, love down deep in my heart. I got a love down deep in my heart. I want to tell you, since Jesus saved my soul, that old devil is trying to gain control. So every morning before I start my day, I read the Bible take some time to pray that Jesus tells me he's my savior and friend and he will love me till the very end and if I trust him and obey man can do my part I'll have his love down 
my heart. I got a love down deep in my heart. I got a peace that passes all understanding. I got a new love that's never ending. This love I've got is so, so true. It's got a hold on me and it won't turn loose. I got a love, love down deep in my heart. I got a love down deep in my heart. Amen. Give the whole band a big round of applause tonight. Amen. Miss <laughs> Janet, can we use your mic? Praise the Lord. Amen. I'll give it right back to you. Hallelujah. Is it on? Test. Oh, yeah. Test. Man, what amazing. It's already amazing. Amen. It's good to be here in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. So thankful that you came to Revival, and I pray you get something out of tonight. Last night you got to hear Brother Doug, but you didn't get to hear Miss AJ, his beautiful wife. And praise God, amen, y'all could clap and act like y'all appreciate him or something. Amen. Maybe y'all don't hear me. Maybe if you hear me with this thing right here. So tonight she's coming to sing before Brother Doug preaches tonight. Would you guys make Miss AJ feel welcome? Amen. What a blessing. Come on, Miss AJ. Praise the Lord.
so much. Wonderful. Amen. Praise God tonight. Man, it's just good to be in the house of the Lord. We're going to do that video, so we need those lights back off and turn them stage lights off too real quick. Uh, just excited about being here tonight. Excited about our revival. <laughs> How many notice year after year, month after month that we just keep getting better? Uh, who feels that? We just keep getting better. And all that we do, we just keep getting better. And I, I just love that about our church. I, I just love it that we take it the extra mile, go the extra step in all that we do. So we pray that this revival just lift your spirits this year. You know, we got it's the beginning of the year. We need our spirit and our heart to be right with God. So that's why we have an early revival. A lot of people have a late revival. But I thought, you know, when we started doing revivals six years ago, that, man, if we didn't do it early, we might run out of gas. So we bring in powerful, powerful pastors like Brother Doug and, and Brother Cody will be here tomorrow night, Pastor Carter, several people who come just because I know you guys, you, you feel the power in our church, and it's good to mix it up. But you're the one that has to receive it. We can't do it for you. It's, it's, someone said, someone, I, I think it was Joyce Meyer said one time, uh, going to church don't make you a Christian like going to the garage don't make you a car. So you got to come to this revival and say, Lord, this is my year. This is my year. And A.J. Song said, this is my year for healing. This is my year for blessings. This is my year to be closer to God. This is my year to understand the Bible. This is my year to get my purpose fulfilled and all that God has for me. Amen. Are we good? Are we ready? Praise God. This is one more video, and then I'm going to turn it on to Brother Doug. This is about love, and I, I just I, I hope you enjoy it. Amen.
Jesus said in Matthew 13, I give you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, so you also must love each other. This is how everyone will know that you are my disciples, when you love each other. You know, we're familiar with love, what it looks like, what it does, but are we prepared to be defined by it? Could we be identified by the way that we love? You know, silent films are hard to make. You would think with the absence of dialogue, it would be much easier, but it's not. You see, because there is no dialogue, the action has to speak for itself. That means everything has to be meticulously planned and thought through. And every gesture of the actor has to be intentional because with the absence of dialogue, failure to communicate with your audience it could be pretty easy. Although in real life we have the use of words, the world still watches our actions. So as Christians, the way we act and the way we love, it speaks volumes about who we are and what we believe. Jesus said that the new mark of identification for his followers is the way that we love each other. That's the way we're supposed to be recognized. But when's the last time in the news you saw of churches loving each other? Or is it their disdain for each other and of certain people groups that's making the headlines? So if we're to grow in discipleship, to grow in our relationship with Christ, we're to grow in the way that we love other people. Now we're not to go around parading our acts or creating billboards to advertise what we've done, but it should be recognizable. So you give a homeless guy money at a red light? That's great, that's wonderful. But how do you treat the guy that cuts you off as you leave that red light? Christians don't fail at love. We fail at being consistent. And unfortunately, we're often known in the world for our lack of consistency rather than our Christ-like love toward other people. So as Christ followers, may we be known for our actions and may that not be a bad thing.
thank you guys. I'm excited again to be with you guys tonight. I want to thank you so much for this opportunity of being able to be to it with you. It's a good crowd tonight. I do want to take just a few minutes. Just give me the time if you would. I want to thank Brother Mark and Miss Mary. Very dear friends to me and my wife. We love them very, very dear. Very, very good friends to me. And uh, thank you so much for the hospitality. Thank you for your love that you've shown to me and my wife and to our family. And I just want you two to know that me and my wife cherish you two very, very dearly as not only a, a minister as well as a pastor, but also as dear friends to us. And we love you. Now, church, I want to tell you this. There's a million churches in the world. Don't fool yourself. But I will tell you this. You are blessed above and beyond measure that you don't know to have the pastor and pastor's wife that you have. And so, I just want to tell you this. I'm telling you this as a pastor, but I'm also telling you this as a friend, to not only to Brother Mark and Miss Mary, but also this church. Boy, don't mistreat them, because if you do, there's going to be a bunch of us from Waco coming up here ready to put the whip down. <laughs> but I know you won't. I know you love your pastor. I know you love your pastor's wife. Continue to pray for him every single day. You'll never know what a pastor goes through this side of heaven continue to lift him up for God's strength and God's wisdom and God's courage and boldness for him to stand and preach not only the word of God but to stand for those things that are right in the community and stand behind your pastor pray for him pray for his family pray for Dalton and Justin you don't understand how hard it can be at times to be a pastor's son or daughter remember lift these two young men up and then again Miss Mary uh, for those of you who know, pray for Miss Mary just because of the fact she got put up with Brother Mark, if nothing else. And uh, I'm going to tell you right now, there ain't none of us in here going to have as many crowns as Miss Mary when she gets to heaven just because of who she's had to deal with. Uh, she's going to have a bunch of them on her side. And, uh, but I do, I do want to say this. We, me and my wife enjoy every time we get to come here. This is such a loving group of people, wonderful church. I hear things all the time from Brother Mark and how God's blessing and moving here. The stories he was sharing with us today, and it's just amazing. I just want to tell you and encourage you to keep it up. Boy, just keep on. Don't quit. The devil will try everything he can to try to get you sidetracked, try to get you to quit on him, quit on Brother Mark, quit on the church. But, boy, I mean, that's about the time you need to stand up and look at that devil square in the face, spit in his face, and tell him to the devil, I'm not through yet. And as Paul said, just like Paul said, the race that God has set before you, finish your course. Finish it. You may be tired, you may have to limp across the finish line, but if anything else, you make sure you finish that race. Because I believe each and every one of us would want to have that said, as the Bible says, when we stand before God, He's able to look at us and be able to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear. Not so much worry about my mansion, although that'll be nice, but boy, to hear my Heavenly Father look at me and say, Doug, I'm proud of you. Way to finish. That's what I want to hear. I also want to take this time to say this. I am so blessed by these young people sitting up here at the front. And I'm going to tell you, you go to a lot of churches, and the back three rows are filled usually with teenagers. And so it's a blessing, young people. And I want to encourage you, you keep these seats on the front. All right? It's hard to get discouraged when you're sitting on the front. All right? All right? And so keep continuing doing that. Continue to pray for your young people. Pray for our young people, if you would, as well. Uh, the things that they have to face, the things that they are going through, and they definitely need to be lifted up in their prayers. And uh, so we'll continue to pray for you here at Candy Creek Cowboy Church for the road that God has for you. We ask that you please continue to pray for us back in Waco, Texas at Parkview Baptist Church, and God is blessing there, doing great works there 
uh, in the ministry, and we thank God so much for that. If you have your Bibles tonight, got my Bible. All right, beat you to it. Good deal. All right. If you got your Bibles tonight. All right, good. First John chapter number four. First John chapter number four. Last night, if you were here last night, and let me just share this with you last night. It was a blessing. And I'm sitting here today, and I'm just telling you this, and I'm going to be truthful with you. You know, I stand up here, and a lot of times people say, man, I wish I could be a pastor. I wish I could be a Hey, listen to me. Realize this. There's no difference between me and Pastor Mark than any of the rest of you. We're all sinners saved by the amazing grace of an amazing God. The same amount of blood it took to cover my sins is the same amount of blood it took to cover your sins. All we are, as Paul said, are proclaimers to go out and share the gospel and the good news of what God has done for each and every one of us. But last night, if you were here last night and you accepted Christ last night, let me congratulate you on the greatest decision you'll ever make. And uh, let me encourage you this. Last night was your spiritual birthday, and from last night on, you continue to grow. Get in this church. Get faithful. Find you a place to serve. Use the talents and the abilities that God has given to you and blessed you with. You say, I don't have any talents. Get in here and get Brother Mark. He'll find you a talent, all right? Whether it's singing, whether it's teaching, whether it's out there working in the pen, wherever it is, you take what abilities God's given them, you give them back to them, and you serve them with your whole heart until he comes back. All right? There's not anybody in the family of God that's any more important than anybody else. You realize that, right? Just as important as Pastor Mark is to stand up here, the person who cleans this floor when nobody else is around is just as important. And so that's why you serve. You serve with all your heart because you're not serving man, but you're serving God for what he's done for you. Last night we had the distinct privilege to open God's Word and be able to study it and to look at it and understand. Hopefully I was able to help you to understand that God loves you. If nobody else in the world loves you, you mark it down. Wherever you sit at tonight, wherever you're going through tonight, God does love you. Like nobody else has ever loved you. We talked about the love of God that He has for each and every one of us. We talked about the love that He's given to us through His Son Christ, through the Comforter that He has given to us in the Holy Spirit. And then lastly, I wrapped up last night in this, what is it that God wants us uh, from us? If he was to ask, uh, and if we were to ask, God, what do you want? I talked to you last night that he would want us. Several of you came down last night, and you had your time between you and God, and that's great. Now let me ask you something real quick. Between last night, if you were here and you made a decision, whether it's here at your seat, whatever the situation may be, how many of you have already failed today? I'll be first one to raise my hand. All right? Well, that devil doesn't quit, does he? He doesn't stop, does he? And here's the thing, I tell teenagers this all the time. I said, you know, the devil's really frustrated with me. And I'm going to tell you why. Because he knows he can't take me to hell. Because I've been covered underneath the blood and I've been sealed in the hands. My name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life with uh, ink that cannot be erased. So you know what he wants to do now, though? And I tell teenagers this. I'll tell you as adults, be careful. The devil can't take you to hell. That does not mean you're exempted. It does not mean he's going to quit on you. What the devil's going to do now is try to ruin your testimony. The devil's going to try to ruin you as an individual. He wants to make you as ineffective for the cause of Jesus Christ as he possibly can. The way he'll do that is through attitude. The way he'll do that is through circumstances. The way that he'll do that is through other people. He'll do everything in his power to try to get you and I ineffective for the cause of Jesus Christ. And so I want to encourage you tonight in this. Don't quit. Understand tonight if you're saved, you're sealed and delivered. But that does not mean you're exempted from the attacks of the devil. It's a privilege again to be here at this love revival tonight. And I want you to look at 1 John chapter number 4. 1 John chapter number 4. And I want to take just a few minutes tonight and speak, on you, or speak to you about this. Do we really love God? 
Do we really love God? Now be careful before you answer this question. Because tonight, you know, it's easy. Sometimes everybody likes to hear good news. Nobody, nobody wants to go home tonight and get a phone call that you have a family member who has passed away or a family member who has maybe been diagnosed with cancer. Nobody likes news that's bad or negative. We all want to hear good news all the time. All of us do. And the Bible is full of good news. It's the gospel. It's good news. It's great news. But realize this. There are some things about our God. He is very black and white. The Bible even says that our God is a very jealous God. Our God does not have any gray areas. If our God says it's good, it's good. If God says it's bad, it's bad. If God says you better do it, you better do it. If God says to stay away from it, you better stay away from it. So when it comes to this matter of love, God is very, uh, he has a lot to say. I've always said this, if God says something once in his Bible, you and I better listen. But if he says it more than once, you better believe he's trying to get a point across to you and I. Probably for the fact that he understands that this was going to be an area that you and I may struggle with. And I want to talk to you tonight about this. Do you really, do I really, truly love God? It's easy. It's easy to stand up here and say you love Him. That's simple. Every one of us can come up right now and say, I love God, and walk out the back door. But here's the thing. God's not interested in you saying it as much as He is whether or not you're willing to live it and show Him that you love Him. But let me share this with you. It's not easy. It's not going to be easy. To love God. Because I'm sharing this. It wasn't easy when Christ had to die for mine and your sins. And one of the most horrific deaths ever, ever written down in the word of God was that of the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. See, to love God is a hard thing. To want to follow God and do those things that right is a hard thing. Ask Paul, who was in prison, shipwrecked, beaten, threatened for his life. Ask the men and women who have been martyred and had their lives taken from them because of their stand for their God. See, we can all sit in here tonight, music instruments and a great job by the band playing and singing tonight, and it's easy to hold up hands and say it, but ask yourself this. Don't ask your family. Don't ask the person to the left or the right of you. Ask yourself tonight. I don't care if you're the pastor. I don't care if you're the youngest member in this auditorium tonight. Listen to me. We all need to see revival. Guys in the sound booth, I work a sound booth. I know what goes on back in the back. I know it's easy to get back there and get distracted, but I'm talking, if you want to see revival tonight, I'm going to share where it starts. It doesn't start in this building. It doesn't start with a group of individuals. Revival starts with an individual, and that's you and that's me. You've got to make a decision. You want to see revival. Do you really, truly love God? Do you really want to see God do great and mighty things? Well, let's see what the Bible says here in 1 John 4 about the love of God. 1 John 4 Verses number 7 and verse number 8. Look what he says here. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Now look at verse number 8. Be careful. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Now be careful, because in this matter of love, it's a very, very tricky thing. Hard to say you sit in here and that you love God. But there's individuals in your life you don't care about. Because the Bible says here in verse number 8, I'm not saying this. You say, I don't like that. I'll take it up with God. He wrote it, not me. Look at verse number 8 again. See what it says. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. All right. Skip down to verse number 11. Same chapter. Beloved. Again, he's writing to the loved. 
if God so loved us, and we know He did because we saw it last night in John 3, 16, if God so loved us, we ought also, uh-oh, to love one another. Verse number 12, no man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and His love is perfected or complete in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in Him, and He in us, because He hath given us of His Spirit. If God so loved us, we ought to love one another. You cannot sit in here tonight and say that you love God, and things are not right with those that are in your life. From spouses, to children, to friends, and even so much the Bible goes on to say, even our enemies. If we have ever said, or if there's any kind of problem that we have between somebody, the Bible says this, we cannot love God in a right way. And this thing what the Bible says tonight. See, it's fun when we all sit up here and we talk about the love of God because everybody wants to hoot and holler and jump all over the chairs and get on to it. But, when you, but here's the thing, please understand something. You and I, Brother Mark and myself, have been commanded, we are preached the whole Bible. Sometimes there's parts of the Bible not as, not, as, not as fun to preach as other parts. See, you see what he says here is this. He's telling us this in verse number 13. Look, he says, no man hath seen God at any time. What? If we love one another, God, we found this out last night, dwells in us, and his love is complete in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us of his spirit. Now skip down to verse number 19 of the same chapter. We love him because he first loved us. Look at this, verses 20 and 21. If a man say, I love God, boy, we can say that. It's easy to say, isn't it? But look at the last part. And hate his brother or detest his brother. Look what God just called you. Somebody, somebody read that next little phrase for me. He is a liar. Boy, God's pretty pointed, isn't he? See, God doesn't have any, any gray areas. You know where God stands on certain situations. See, he says this. He says, if a man stand and say that he loves God, look at this verse, 20, and he hates his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Ooh. He's like, but you don't understand. This guy, that I, I'm, this guy I'm dealing with that I don't like, he's nothing like God. He's lost his light. Now, hold on a second. Go back to Genesis. Did the Bible not tell us in Genesis that God created Adam and Eve in his own, or excuse me, he created Adam in his own image? So guess what? Everybody in here is created in the image of the Holy God. You and I are not, we're not given a gavel and a long robe to judge the people that we want to love and we don't want to love. God's commanded you love those that are lovable and you love those that are unlovable to you. You love those that love you no matter what, and you also love those that despitefully use you, as we'll see also in the verses tonight. Verse number 21, And this commandment have we from him, from who? God, that he who loveth God loves his brother also. Let me share something with you. Did it say there in verse number 21 that this was a suggestion? Is that what it says? Does your Bible say that? And this is a suggestion from God. That you love, if you love God, you need to love your brother also. No, listen to me. You know what God said? It's a commandment that I give to you tonight. Yeah. That if you're going to love me, you must also love your brother. Now, that's not talking about your family, that you grow up with your uh, maternal brother. It's not talking about that. It's talking about everybody that coexists with us here on this earth, in this world. Those that we come in contact with. 
I want you to look here and I want you to see this. If you have your Bibles, uh, go to John chapter number 15. John chapter number 15. Look at verse number 12. John 15 and verse number 12. I want you to see what the Bible says. Jesus is speaking here. And look what he says here. Again, Jesus says this. Remember, I said if he says it once, and it's important. But if he says it two or three times, you and I better take heed that he means business about this. Verse number 12 in the red letters is talking about Jesus. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Again, the word love here is the agape love. He's saying that we ought to have a selfless, unconditional, sacrificial type of love, not only to our God, but to everybody that we come in contact with. Not only this, look if you would to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 3, verse number 12. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse number 12. I want to read this verse to you. It says, And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do towards you. Now let me share something with you real quick. Here's what I love about this verse. You say, but you don't understand me, bro, Doc. I was raised in a family that love was not exhibited. Love was not expressed. I was taught as a man that you don't show love. That's weakness. Let me share something with you. Love is anything but weakness. You want to know why I know that? Because my Bible says that God is love, and I can promise you this, God is anything but weak. The Bible says this about my God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God who simply by a spoken word created everything that you and I are able to enjoy today is the same God that's sitting upon the throne today. The same God that took that stone out of that little boy's slingshot and directed it right between the eyes of that nine and a half foot giant and dropped him like a bad habit is the same God that's sitting on the throne. The same God who's the greatest firefighter ever as he sat in the fiery furnace as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked through there with them. And when they walked out the other side, not a hair burned on them, not a smoke smell, nothing about it. It's the same God who is sitting on the throne tonight. It is the same God who has done these great and mighty things. It's the same God who took Abraham and said, Abraham, I want you to go. Abraham said, I don't know where. God said, you just go, Abraham. I'll take care of you. It's the same God who took Elijah up on Mount Carmel as he sat across and he looked at Jezebel and Ahab and the 450 prophets of Baal as they were sitting there praying to Baal and the false gods, cutting themselves, asking for fire to come from heaven and consume the altar and the sacrifice. Then Elijah stands up and a powerful man that he was in less than 40 words in a prayer. He simply prays and he says, Dear God, will you show him that you are the one and only true God and bring fire down from heaven and consume the sacrifice and the fire fell and not only consumed the sacrifice, but it consumed the rocks, the dirt, and the water that was around it in the trough. It's the same God who did that. It's the same God who sits on the throne tonight looking down from heaven upon you and me. God is love. And if God is love, and you and I can attest to the fact that we're saved, and we know Him as our Lord and Savior, then we have every right and ability and command to love everybody that we come in contact with. Why? Because the Bible says here where we read, no man has seen God. Let me ask you this. If a lost man cannot see God, how are they going to be able to see and hear of a God who loves them and a Christ who died for them? You listen to me right here. You understand something with me tonight? You may be the only Jesus anybody gets to see. There are people tonight, you listen to it, will not dim a door tonight of a church. You want to know why? Some feel unworthy. Some feel like that they're not wanted at a church. 
And you and I have a distinct possibility. We look around tonight at the people we have in Solitary and realize when we leave tonight, we all go our separate ways. What a great mission field tomorrow. Do you love the people you're going to be in contact with enough tomorrow to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them? See, the Bible says that God is love and God dwells inside you and I. And if that is the case tomorrow, realize this, you may be the only Bible somebody gets to read tomorrow through your actions, through your reactions, whether or not you love them as God would love them, as Christ would love them. You see these things here uh, as we go through. I want you to go with me if you would quickly. I want to look at the people. How do we love? Who should we love tonight? Everybody. Everybody. Husbands and wives, we need to love each other. God has commanded that of us. I want you to look real quickly, if you would, Ephesians chapter number 5. Ephesians chapter number 5, very familiar verses here. It talks about the love that a husband ought to have to a wife and a wife ought to have to a husband. And I want you to look at what Jesus says. Not what the world says, but what Jesus says. Ephesians chapter 5, look if you would to verse number 22 first. Ladies, you say, I don't like this. Again, I didn't write it, God did. Take it up with God. Ladies, I'm telling you what the Bible says here. Let's look what it says, verse 22. Ephesians 5, wives. So if you're in here tonight, ladies, and you've got one of the, a ring on your hand, all right, and you've said, I do, and you're going home after church with the gentleman that you call your husband, this verse applies to you. Now, anybody else that's not a wife, doesn't apply to it. Wives, I want you to listen to this verse, verse 22. Wives, ooh, this is an ugly word. Submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. The word submit means to be under obedience and to obey. You know what, ladies? You know what God says? You're to be subject to your husbands, but you're to love them the way Christ would love them. You're to love them. You're to be subject to them. You're to be subject to them. You say, I don't agree with what my husband does. Or maybe you say, my husband doesn't come to church with me. He's lost tonight. And man, if, you need to, if there's any other time you need, you need to love him now, where he can see Christ and he can see the love that God has for him. Wives, ask yourself this tonight. Do you love your husband the way God intended for you to love your husband? Are you in that relationship? With him? Can you love? Let me share this. Put it this way. You and I, Husbands and wives, we cannot love each other correctly until we love him correctly. Wives, listen to me. If you're not in a constant relationship with your heavenly father, you will not be able to obligate the duty that God has given to you as a godly wife. See, you'll read that verse and say, subject myself, I'm not going to do that. No, there's no way. I'm going to dare say this. Probably things between you and God are not where they need to be. See, because a godly wife who loves God, who understands God's love for her, and understands what God has asked her to do, has no problem submitting to her husband. I thank God, I thank God tonight for my wife. I not only think she's the most beautiful woman in the world, but she's mine. I trust her with all my heart. I have no doubt I can sit here today and tell you this, she loves me. You want to know how I know she loves me? It's not that she cooks for me. It's not that she cleans. Those are good things. But you want to know how I know she loves me? Because I know she loves her Savior. You see, because she loves God the way she loves God, she can love me, love me the way she's supposed to love me. And as the Bible says, I don't have to worry about my wife. 
if she's on the phone somewhere, she goes somewhere, I don't have to worry. I wonder where my wife is. I wonder what she's doing. You know why? Because I know she loves her God, and because of that, she loves me. And I have no problem with that. And I'm a very, 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 very blessed man. And I'll tell you what, back home, all right, Brother Mark, you can say it here. I don't know everybody here, but back home, I go home at night, and I'll get up more and say, God, thank you I didn't marry so-and-so and that you gave me my wife, all right? No. But, you know, I'm sitting there thinking about this. I thought, you know, my wife, boy, she, you know what, on her honeymoon, my wife really could have divorced me on her honeymoon. It was bad. You want to talk about a honeymoon, you want to talk about a honeymoon starting off bad? Our, our honeymoon started off bad. Man, we got married, and we went to Cancun for a honeymoon. And, man, we're sitting there, and they had these little two-man boats that you sit side by side. And, I mean, man, you go, I mean, just why? And, of course, you know, my wife wants to go slow and be careful and enjoy. I want to put it to the floor. Right, fellas? I want to see what that boat will do, how high it will jump a wave. And, man, we're sitting there, and I'm just enjoying I mean, salt water's hitting me in the face, and we're getting it. I mean, I didn't even think. Man, I hawked the biggest loogie because I had sore. I said, and I spit, and I'm like, she starts hitting me on the arm. And I'm thinking, I turn around and I oh! That thing went up and came right back and smacked her, and it came right down. It was hanging off the tip of her nose. It just came down. I was like, oh. Well, let me share something. You thought that was bad? Listen to it. It gets worse. It gets worse. We go out. We go out on a boat. We're going to go parasailing. We're going to go parasailing. Man, I went up there first. A little Spanish guy on the back of the boat. He said, you, you paid to do this? I said, I sure did. I said, jack me up here, senor. And, man, I mean, I'm up there, and I'm enjoying it. I'm just flying around looking at everything. Why well, come back down? And, I mean, I think it was like 400, 400 feet, wasn't it? It was up there. Well, my bride-to-be gets, I mean, my bride at the time, she gets back there and tangle it up. And he said, are you ready to go? He said, yeah, but, but please, don't, don't take me all the way. I just want to go about halfway. Okay, senor, senorita, about halfway up. She's up there. I'm sitting on the back of the boat, sitting there. He looks at me and says, Senor. I said, Yeah. Did you pay full price for her to go? I said, Well, yeah, I paid full price. She's only halfway up. I said, Well, kick her the rest of the way up. Let's see her go. I want to see her 400 feet. Next thing I hear is, and I hear, Dah! She got the 400 feet, and listen to this. They go to pull her back in, and a storm blew in. He's sitting there, and he says, Senor, he's not too good. He said, storm blowing her around all up in the air. It's kind of hard to get her down. I'm thinking, oh, I said, let's leave her up there. She's going to kill me when she gets back down here. Just leave her there. She gets back down, and she's bruised. That harness bruised her. I felt horrible. I spit on my wife, and I, and I bruised her. Sister come back looking like I just beat her, man. I felt bad. But she stayed with me. So I've experienced God's love through the love of my wife. All right, even through all my mistakes and all my failures, it was, it, was, it was awesome. But ladies, here's what he says. Submit yourselves unto your husband. Love your husband tonight. Love your husband as you would feel like God would want you to love your husband. How is that? To subject to your husband's leadership, to his obedience. You say, well, I don't think, I don't, I, you say this, ladies, I don't think what he's doing is right. Let me share something with you. Do you realize this? There's only one person in the world that can change somebody's mind. And that's God. Ladies, if you want something changed about your husband, don't necessarily go to your friends or social media. Fall on your knees and pray for your husband. Pray that God will give him what he needs, the leadership that he needs, the decisions that he needs. Pray for him. Wives, you're to love your husbands. 
Look at verse number 25, same chapter. Verse 25, he says, But husbands, love your wives. There's that agape love there. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Husbands, the Bible tells you and I that we're to love our wives. Listen to me. The way Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. See, we're to love our wives in a selfless, unconditional, never-ceasing, never-stopping type of love. We're to love her the same yesterday, today, and continues on. And love her and love her and love her and love her. Tonight you may be in here as a husband and wife. You say, you know what? You don't understand, brother Doug, the problems that we're having. Fact, let me share something with you. Remember what I told you at the beginning of the service? The devil, if he can't take you to hell, he's going to do everything he can to destroy your life and your testimony. He'll use finances. He'll use family. He'll use friends. Husbands and wives, you're in here tonight, and you say, you just don't understand, brother Doug. It's hard to love right now. It's hard to love. She doesn't love me the way I think she ought to, and I can't, or he doesn't love me the way I think he ought to. Listen to me tonight. Come down and ask God. Say, God, give us victory. God, give us the love. Help us to love you so we can in turn love each other in the correct way. Because when I love you right, I know I'll be able to love him right, and I know I'll be able to love her right. God's the only one that can give us the right kind of love as a husband and as a wife. But not only that, look at this if you would. Matthew chapter number 5, verse number 44. We're to have love for our spouses. We're to have love for our children, for our families. But then I want you to see this. Matthew 5 and verse number 44. Look what the verse says here. Jesus speaking, he says this. He says, but I say unto you, love your enemies. Woo. Man. Love your enemies. Look at the rest of this. Bless them. To, you know what the word bless there means? It means to speak well of, to praise. Speak well of and to praise your enemies, it says, that curse you. Do good. Be honest to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you, insult or slander you, and persecute you or pursue and follow after you. We've been commanded even, even to the fact of loving our enemies, those that do us wrong. Those that absolutely go behind our back and say things, false accusations against us. You see, you don't understand, Brother Doug, they've hurt me deep. They've hurt me bad. It's hard for me to love. Hey, I understand that. I know that everybody in here has been hurt by somebody before. But you know what the Bible says? You and I are to love our enemies. Realize this, God never has given you and I a commandment that he does not or will not give us the power to be able to fulfill the commandment he's given us. If God's told us that we can love our enemies, listen to me, we can love our enemies. Because you realize this, that Christ was our example. The Bible says there in 1 Timothy chapter 4, and verse number 12, be thou an example to the believers, as Paul is writing to Timothy, as Christ was, in conversation, word, purity, charity, faith, to be an example. You say, I can't love my enemies. You ever stop and thought about this? Has anybody, nobody, I've had people do me wrong, Brother Mark, don't get me wrong. But nobody, nobody has mistreated me the way they mistreated my Jesus. Nobody's done that to me that way. I have not been ridiculed the way my Christ was ridiculed. I have not been called a liar the way my Christ was called a liar. I have not been physically beaten the way my Christ was beaten. I have not been embarrassed and humiliated 
as my Christ was when they stripped him totally naked. As they took that cat of nine tails and they hung him between the two beams. And they began to beat him with that Roman cat of nine tails. And then as they began to take him and they would slap him and pull the beard out of his face by the hands and come by and slap and smack him and ask, prophesy if you are who you say you are, who it was that just hit you. As they sped upon him, as they mocked him as king of the Jews and gave him a crown of thorns and placed it upon his head and gave him a reed as a scepter, mocking him. Then taking him and laying him on a cross and nailing him to the cross. His enemies doing this to him. And the Bible says at any time he could have called 10,000 angels out of heaven to come and rescue him off that cross. But he understood. And as I stand here and look at you today, he stood and he was able to see everybody's face from Pastor Mark's all the way around to the back. And here's what Jesus said. He said, if I don't finish what my father has asked me to do, then they will have no hope of heaven and eternal salvation and they will have to die and go to hell. And not a one time the Bible says, did he ever speak a word. As a lamb led to the slaughter and they laid him on that cross and he not once opened up his mouth and said a thing. As they beat him with their hands, they plucked a beard from his face, they mocked him, they ridiculed him, they laughed at him, they scoffed him. The Bible even says so much in Isaiah, his visage, his faceless spread was so marred you couldn't even tell he was a human, a man, because of what they had done to him. You know what that's called? Listen to me. Hard for me to believe, Brother Mark. But as Jesus was being beaten and laid on that cross, I believe if he, would have said, if he could have said something, he could have looked at those guys and said, I still love you. Because I'm dying for you as well. How do you know that? Because he did the same thing to Thomas. Not only, excuse me, not Thomas, he did the same thing to Judas. Remember, you remember in the Bible when it says they were sitting there at the supper and Jesus got up and began to put his cloth on. He began to go around with the basin of water and wash his disciples' feet. Realize this, that Jesus Christ, although he was man in the flesh, he was still God. Can you picture, as he goes to Judas' feet, he takes his old nasty feet and puts them in that water and begins to wash them, knowing Judas is fixing to betray him? Can you imagine, our pastor said it this way, he said, can you imagine the look from Judas to Jesus as Jesus looked up to him? Probably didn't say anything to him, but in those eyes, Brother Mark, he looked and he said, Judas, you need me to wash more than your feet tonight, man. You need me to wash your heart. And I love you. I know you're still going to betray me, but Judas, I still love you. Don't tell me that you and I cannot love our enemies after all that Christ did and those that he loved, after what they did to him on that cross, prior to that cross. And he tells us that we're to love our family, we're to love our enemies. Romans 12 and verse number 20. I want to share this verse with you. Romans 12, verse number 20, and I want you to see this. He says there in verse number 20, Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Tonight, I've got to ask you this. Do you really love God tonight? See, 
The Bible says this. We can't be, we can't be sideways or wayward with somebody here and then sit there and be right up here. It doesn't work that way. Listen, you might be in here tonight, and there might be somebody in here tonight that you've got something against tonight. You listen to me. The Bible even tells us this, until that is taken care of, until that's rectified and taken care of, I don't care. You go to every church service every single night. You know every song in the hymn book. Things cannot be right between you and your God. You cannot love the world the way God loved the world until you love God in that right way. You know what? I, had a, I heard a pastor say this one time. He said, you know how I try to love my enemies and I try to love those people that are really, because let's just be truthful, everybody's got somebody in your life that's unlovable. You know, you got somebody, it's just hard to love them. We know that. But he said this. He said, every time I start my day, I pray this, God, help me to see people the way you see them. You mean, what, what do you mean by that, Brother Doug? Help me to see uh, that person as a soul that's either going to go to heaven or hell. And the way I treat them just might be an impact on that. And whether they accept my Jesus and love my God by the way I act toward them and treat toward them. He said, there's the thing. When you're able to see people the way God sees people, it's easy to love them. But see, when we take our eyes off God and we look at people, that's when we get crossways, and that's when it's hard. See, just ask Peter. When he got up out of that boat, and this is the invitation tonight, Jesus stood in the storm on the water. Arms wide open. He said, Peter, won't you come to me? Peter asked him, he said, Lord, can I come? He said, yeah, you can come, Peter, come on. He begins to walk out to him. Now, I don't know what took, the, what took Peter's eyes off Jesus. I don't know if there's lightning in the background. I don't know if there's wind. I don't know if water got in his face and he wiped his eyes. But for some reason, he took his eyes off Jesus. And the Bible says when he did, immediately he began to sink. See, Peter didn't, isn't it funny? Peter didn't turn around to the boat, Brother Mark, and try to get back to the boat. See, Peter didn't yell at the other disciples, throw me a life preserver. Because he knew there's only one person he needed to get to, and that was Christ. He said, if I can get to him, he'll make sure everything's okay. And he said this, he said, Lord, you've got to save me. Lord, you've got to help me. Tonight, God's sitting up here tonight. You say, you want, man, I want to I have revival. I want that love revival. Listen to me. Brother Cody, come tomorrow night. I know you'll be blessed there. You'll be blessed with Brother Mark, I believe, on Sunday as well as he stands. But you and I will never see revival, much less a love revival in our hearts. If we can't love him correctly because we won't be able to love each other correctly. And I promise you tonight, you walk out or not with any kind of remorse, any kind of hard feelings toward anybody, whether it's a spouse, a child, a family, or a friend, a pastor, you're not going to be where you need to be with God. God says this, you and I need to learn to love one another. Love the needs of others. Love the heart of others. But more importantly than anything else, love the souls of other people. Take the time to ask them whether or not they know Christ as their Savior. And love them through that tonight. I don't know so much. I was going to go a whole different direction, Brother Mark. And I, I hope this is a blessing to you tonight. For whatever reason, I felt like that this was what God would have us to speak on this evening. And so this is what I wanted to do. But I want to challenge you tonight. I want to ask you, I know it's not a salvation message by no, no, no extent. 
So I've got to ask you, church, if you really want to see revival tonight, it's got to start with itself. Listen to me. It may be somebody's not even here tonight. The thing is this. You can still come down tonight and ask God, say, God, forgive me. And God, empower me. And God, give me the boldness and the courage to make this right with that individual. Because, listen to me, more than anything else in the world, God, I want to be right with you. And I want to be able to love people the way you love people. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, heads bowed, eyes closed. Brother Mark's going to be down here at the front. Maybe tonight, here's what the Bible says. If you have odd against your brother, the Bible says that we are to go to that one. Hey, listen. Again, holding anything in like that can hinder revival in your own heart, and it only hurts you and I. The Bible says this, cast your cares upon him because he careth for you. Come down and say, God, forgive me in this, and Lord, help me because I need revived in my spirit. I want to know how to love people the way you love people. I want to love my wife correctly. I want to love my husband and my children correctly. I want to be able to love my enemies the way Christ exampled in the Word of God. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Come now. Is there someone that you need to forgive? Come right now and just let's, let's take it to God at the altar. Like Brother Doug said, man, God has done so much for us. Let's forgive them tonight. As they begin to play, let's just take this moment. I'm not between you and God. Come right now. We've all had offenses. Every one of us. We sit back and we replay these things in our mind. We can't get over them. God will help us get over them. Come now and take your place at the altar.